Hi, I'm Levi, and welcome to Maison Mission. This is episode number 39. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission by visiting MaisonMission.com or through the links in the description of this program. Good morning, uh, Maison Mission. My name is Levi Lowry. I'm the teaching pastor here, and it is good to have you. And, and if you are new to Maison Mission, you're just checking us out for one of the first times, this is a perfect series for you. We're in the middle of a, a series called Stories, and each week is just independent. It doesn't stand on the week before. So we're, we're telling some stories uh, from, from Scripture, from real life, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And so I want to start this morning with a story that I read in a book that was written by a friend of mine named Chris Field. He wrote a book called A Billion Hours of Good. Shameless plug for that book. You can go buy it. It's really good. And he wrote these words. He said, I was in the barber shop a few years ago when a woman in her 60s came in. I have cancer, she told the barber closest to the door. They told me I should get my hair cut before I get too far into chemo. The barber who would be cutting this woman's beautiful long hair smiled kindly and then pointed at me and said, Do you want it as short as his? Now you have to understand that I have no hair. None. I saw a picture of myself from behind at age 22 and asked my wife right then and there to shave my head. And I've done the same thing every week since. As the woman's eyes met mine, I smiled and said, you have to be pretty good looking to get a haircut like this, but I think you definitely qualify. Just a few minutes later, all her beautiful hair sat in large clumps on the floor around her chair. I imagine those piles of hair held a lot of sadness for her. As she turned to face the mirror for the first time, I couldn't help but chime in again. You look absolutely radiant. I'm so impressed that you can pull that off so well. But this time, before she could even respond, I was joined by the two older men, both waiting for haircuts of their own. One lowered the newspaper he was reading and said, oh yeah, looks great, very nice. The other went even further. All the girls in Paris are cutting their hair like that, he said in a way that made us all somehow believe that he followed Parisian fashion trends. People will think you're a model from France. The woman smiled and slowly got up to leave. As she walked toward the door, she got a big hug from the barber and a good luck. God bless, and you can do this from the few of us lucky enough to bear witness to this divine moment. I know the woman had a long journey ahead of her, and I would imagine she sat in her car that afternoon and had herself a good cry. Much deserved, too, I might add. But I also know her experience in the barbershop that day was different. Better, softer, and more tolerable because of the power of words. Words did not take away her cancer or her sadness, but they did remind her that she was beautiful and not alone. 
And how much more could each of us take on in the world if we only believed those two things about ourselves, that we are both beautiful and never alone? I I love this story because in it, I'm reminded of the incredible power that our words have. Words are invisible when spoken, but they can last a lifetime. And like most things that are powerful, they can do one of two things. They can cause destruction or they can have a positive effect as well. In 2019, our family took one of those classic RV road trips uh, from Florida. And one of our, our main stops on this trip was Niagara Falls. Yes, we drove all the way up to Canada and they are something to behold. We, we saw them from the U.S. side. We got our passports so that we could see them from the walking bridge and then ultimately from the Canadian side. And the water was mesmerizing. It was beautiful. And we found out that the water is actually used to power a hydroelectric power station that produces enough electricity to light up 3.8 million homes. Now, if you have ever had the privilege of seeing Niagara Falls in person, you know that I'm not exaggerating when I say that it is hard to turn away from their beauty. Now, on the flip side, there are folks whose lives have been completely devastated by the power of water. Talk to someone who lives in an area that's prone to flooding. Heck, Talk to the good folks of Waverly, Tennessee, who watched in horror just three weeks ago as 17 inches of rain fell in less than 24 hours. The river flooded its banks, and it literally washed houses and cars and claimed the lives of more than 20 people. See, depending on your perspective, massive amounts of water can can be a beautiful thing that is the root of a power that that lights homes or the cause of devastation that will be remembered for a lifetime. Words, they work the exact same way. They can cause devastation or they can be used to improve the attitude of someone in either way. They can last a lifetime. Now, there is this little blip of a story in Luke chapter 18. And I say that it's a little blip of a story because in my Bible, it doesn't even get one of those those little summary headings that stories get. And it's just three verses uh, in Luke chapter 18, 15, 16, and 17. And if you grew up in the church, you've no doubt uh, heard uh, these verses before. It says, people brought babies to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them. When the disciples saw it, they shooed them off. But Jesus called them back. Let these children alone. Don't get between them and me. These children are the kingdom's pride and joy. Mark this. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Now, through our 2021 lenses, This makes a lot of sense. I mean, what kind of jerks were the disciples that that they would treat parents and kids this way? But we have to realize (laughs) that kids were not valued 
back then the way they are today. And they certainly weren't familiar with the term helicopter parents who hover over the children and make sure that, that nothing bad ever happens to them. Uh, they, if you remember, even Jesus' parents lost him for a couple of days when he was a kid. And so the disciples were simply doing all that they knew to do. Protect Jesus' time and space for more important people. Because kids and babies certainly weren't important people. I mean, if they were lucky, maybe a, a lame person or a blind person, a leper, or maybe even someone who needed a, a loved one raised from the dead uh, was in the crowd and, and they would need some of Jesus' time and space. And so they just shooed these kids and these families away from Jesus. But Jesus uses his words to flip the script on who is important. He says, let these children alone. He's basically saying, leave them alone. Don't get between them and me. These kids are the kingdom's pride and joy. Pride and joy? In what kingdom were babies, infants, kids the pride and joy? See, they were actually nothing. They, they were less than. They were to be seen and not heard. They were not pride and joy, but they are in the kingdom of God. And I truly feel like we can expand this passage a bit, that, it, that it's not a stretch. The, the words of Jesus make it clear that in his world, in his kingdom, the ones that many people don't value, the ones that most folks are content to shoo away from Jesus, are the ones that he is ready to declare are his pride and joy. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable, know that you're not alone. If I'm honest, it makes me uncomfortable at times, and I sh I'm sure it ruffled the feathers of the disciples who thought they were doing the right thing in the moment. Now, the story at the, the beginning of this teaching uh, in the barber shop that my friend Chris Field wrote, he, he goes on later in the chapter to describe how words create worlds. Sometimes they create worlds that, that people have lost the imagination to believe even exist. How many of the, the troublemaker kids at school are constantly being told that they are a distraction, that they are a loser, that they are a waste of a potential, that they are a bother? And as a result, they live into that world. They have been told that so many times that they take on the identity that they are the troublemaker. And what does a troublemaker do? They make trouble. I wonder, who, who are the ones that are recognizing their potential? And who are, are painting another picture of what their future could look like in the words they use when interacting with that child? How many folks do we know in our neighborhoods, our families, our gyms, our, our workplaces that, that need someone to speak words of encouragement, of hope, of potential for a good future that, that communicates to them that they are a source of joy and pride in our life? I was actually a recipient 
of some of these words just over a year ago. And, and I think I've told this story before. And I'm going to tell it today. I'm going to tell it again because it's, it's one of those moments in my life that I, I've continued to go back to over this last year. And I know years down the road, I'm going to go back to this moment in time. I'd flown up to my parents' place in Huntsville, Alabama. I needed to have a face-to-face with them. Have you ever needed to have one of those conversations where uh, a text message, a phone call, even Zoom aren't going to cut it? See, I needed to clear the air with them on a situation that had happened a few years before. Uh, And I also needed to share with them that the time had come for me to move on from the ministry job that I currently held at that time. But even beyond that, I needed to, to look my parents in the face and tell them that over the last 12 to 15 years, my faith had changed. It had begun to morph. And I needed them to know that, that while I was still all in on Jesus, I had let go of some pretty big theological positions. And in fact, I had to if I was going to be able to stay in the faith. And I went on to explain to them that I had to let go of a view of God, that if he was the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he demanded the slaughter of innocent women and children, if he could do that back then and he could do that again today, I I had to let go of a view of God that, in my opinion, did not line up with Jesus because I could never imagine Jesus doing that. I went on to explain to them that I had let go of a a literal hell that was filled with flames and it was never ending because it didn't add up with a God who at his very core, his essence, who he is, is love. And there are a few other things that I spoke to them about that evening, but I kind of saved one of the biggest ones for last. And that was my belief that the LGBTQ plus community should be included in the kingdom of God. That, that their orientation, that their identity was, was not a flaw, it was not a, a sin that needed to be fixed in life, that this is, this is who they are, this is, that they are welcome uh, in the kingdom of God. And I went on and I told them that I knew we wouldn't agree on this stuff and we didn't need to agree on this stuff. And I wasn't looking to convince them and bring them over to my side. And I went on and explained that my hesitancy and in sharing this over the years was not because I doubted their love for me. I've never doubted the love that my parents have for me. It was never the deal. My hesitancy was that I didn't want to be seen as a sellout or less than when it came to my Christian faith. That conversation went really well, uh, probably better than I could have ever expected. There, there were lots of tears and there were hugs and there were reassurances that just me being their son was all that mattered. And I felt like I had just dropped bomb after bomb on kind of the, the faith of my parents, uh, kind of revealing to them that uh, the faith that they held to and was important to them, there were things that I simply had let go of. And so they no doubt were shell-shocked at the end of that conversation But later in the evening, uh, I was standing in the kitchen with my mom, and she just grabbed a hold of me, and she hugged me in a way that only a mom can. And with tears in her eyes, she held me in that kitchen, and she kind of choked out the words. She said, Levi, I've told you many times that I love your heart.
I've never loved your heart more than I do tonight. (laughs) What? In that moment, those words might as well have been the words of Jesus. You are my pride and joy. In the kingdom of God, there is room for you, Levi, and these beliefs that you have or don't have. Those words created a world for me in that moment, a world where someone who disagreed with some of my theological principles still trusted my heart, a world of encouragement when anxiety was rampant inside of me, a world that assured me There was a place in the kingdom of God for a person like me in the church like Maison Mission. So, each of us have the capacity to create worlds with our words. What kind of worlds are we creating? Whether it's in a a barbershop, a restaurant, our home, our workplace, what kind of worlds and what kind of legacy are our words leaving? Do our words leave people feeling like they are a source of pride and joy in our lives? Or do they leave them feeling less than? Folks, our words are free and they will last forever. The good news is that we have the capacity to create positive worlds with our words. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the example of Jesus. I thank you that just in these three short verses, we're kind of let in that the the children, the ones that are less than, that don't hold a high position, that they are important in the kingdom of God. And not not just kids, but, but other folks who people would have a natural inclination to to shoo away from Jesus. Father, may we make room for those folks, those that are living in the margins, those that feel less than, those that don't have the imagination that there's a, a hopeful future for them. Father, may we join with Jesus in creating good kingdom-minded worlds with the words that we speak. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. A few reminders before you go. House churches are starting up all over Gainesville and beyond. If you're interested in being a part of a small gathering where we put the Maison mission into practice, this is a great way for you and your family to connect. Sign up today on the digital connect card and check the box to let us know you're interested. If you're interested in learning more about the Maison mission and how you can get involved, let us know. Sign up on the Digital Connect card to be notified the next time we hold an interest meeting. Maison mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people just like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through MaisonMission.com and follow the link to give, or you can also text the dollar amount to 84.
3-2-1 and follow the links to Maison Mission. We will also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you have a fantastic week.